All right, so uh, we're going to continue this overflow series. I want to let you know, uh, as a family today, following church, uh, and this fits, I'm not just looking for sympathy or trying to get sympathy for my wife, but following service today, we're actually headed down south. Uh, we're headed down south for the start of what will be the family celebration of Heather's grandma's life. So Heather lost her grandma, Arlene, on the 24th, uh, and she actually ended up getting a couple really good days with her uh, leading up to uh, the time where she passed. And this past week, I overheard as Heather was having conversations and she had gathered with family the week before and, and all that kind of stuff. I, I overheard her having a conversation with somebody and she explained her grandma as the matriarch of the family. And so I had to go look that up because I, I didn't really know what that meant. But the matriarch of the family being like the leader, the one that gathers people, the one that uh, is intentional and that kind of stuff is, is kind of the definition of that matriarch. And Arlene, even in, and I knew her later in life than earlier like Heather did growing up with her and stuff, but even in her old kind of stubborn old age ways, she brought the best out of people. Um, she gathered people. She brought people together. She lived incredibly sacrificially. Uh, she, and I was, and every time that I talked to her, it was, it was amazing to hear her talk about her neighbors. She knew her neighbors really well, was actually really interactive with them, um, and, uh, and, and engaged with them. She looked for ways uh, to help them out. Even when she, like, barely could physically do it, she would help them out. But even more than that, she looked for ways that they uh, could help her out as to so that they would find purpose and meaning in their life and they would feel uh, valued by her. And I remember this one time I went down to visit her down in the Bremerton Belfair area and uh, she proceeded to tell me that she had, she had allowed a uh, homeless man to move into her carport. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. And so I think we might have been the first people to kind of in on that. But uh, so I went up and saw that this guy had plywooded in part of this carport and was living there uh, in her carport outside, mainly exposed to the weather and stuff. But uh, she, had, she had given that opportunity. She had that gentleman do household chores around the house so that he felt valued and he contributed and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, and, um, and that's just kind of how she, she, she gave. She, she was willing to sacrifice in uh, she gave and she gave and in doing that she always 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 Incorporated her faith in Jesus in the mix uh, her inner in her, in her interactions with people were super intentional uh, And they would serve great meaning every time you got together with her and I actually imagine or 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 shall I kind of say uh, that I got or I can get and I definitely got from Arlene a better glimpse of who Jesus was because of relationships like that in your life. And you might have some of those relationships in your life as, as well. Uh, lives, lives that were lived a lot like Arlene, Heather's grandma, had lived. Uh, Arlene knew how to make me feel good. One year I dug this trench from her gutter system to divert the water that was flooding her basement. And it wasn't that hard of a job, but she talked about that every year, multiple times a year from there on out. And she knew how to make me feel good about what I had done for her. Uh, and, and, and when you got together with her, she would want you to sit down and pay attention and, 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 and talk with her and spend time with, with, with her. I only knew her kind of later in the years, but she was the center of conversation. She was the life of the party, and she was incredibly intentional. Uh, 
Jesus was uh, that and so much more uh, as is recorded in his ministry here on earth. He was the kind of guy that when he spoke, you would stop everything to listen to his every word. He was the kind of person that would cause you to, to question everything, but then he would also offer you all of the answers. He was the kind of guy that at an invitation, you would want to go where he was going or do what he desired for you to do. The stories of, uh, are, are in the scriptures of where he would walk you into a better understanding of your own life and then into a life that he would desire for you. The miraculous signs and wonders and miracles all filled with the lessons and ideas and, and teachings that Jesus desired for us to learn from. But all of them had, were super intentional and, and all of them had attached to them great purpose and meaning for his audience and even for us. Uh, I think of the first miracle that Jesus did and that was at a wedding for their good friend, uh, for Mary, the family's good friend. And Mary had convinced Jesus to dress up nice and join her almost like she was going to show him off so that uh, at this time he had already started gathering some of his disciples and there during the party and the celebration, it was evident that the wine was going to run out and Mary knew her friends would be embarrassed. And so she called Jesus over and simply said, Jesus, man, there's going to be no wine. And Jesus was like, cool story, but what does that have to do with me? And uh, I'm sure having uh, seen Jesus growing up, done, he, she probably witnessed Jesus even as a child do some miraculous things. Uh, that led to this recording of the first miracle. And, and Mary doesn't listen to Jesus say, it's not my time yet. My time hasn't come. Mary simply says to the servants that are, just do what he says. He's going to get it done, right? And the first couple of disciples that were with Jesus that day witnessed that first miracle. Or maybe, maybe for maybe uh, the the next uh, next in line was we talked about it a couple weeks ago the encounter with the woman at the well. We talked about this a few weeks ago where she uh, had shared she had shared Jesus had shared her own life with her. That walking away, she said, "Man, Jesus knows everything about my life and how Jesus then called her into the life." That, she, that he desired for her. Or even soon around that time, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. They're written in the, in the, in the gospel stories of Jesus' ministry. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night for this choice encounter. And Nicodemus would rewrite history as he was a, a Jewish Pharisee and a, an official at that time and wouldn't want to be seen with Jesus at that time. And so he came to Jesus at night, but he would rewrite history in that he would be one of the two that gave Jesus the correct burial of that time. Or the healing at the pool where Jesus, I love this story, he spits in the mud and he mixes it in his hands and he puts it on the blind man's eyes. And the blind man rubs it off and uh, a lifetime of blindness gives way to sight and even a, a, an understanding that far outweighed the physical idea of restored sight. The calming of the storm, the walking on water to assure the disciples of who he was. In my favorite Bible story, the demon-possessed man that hung out in the, in the gravesides and, and, and wallowed with chains. And, and, and Scripture says he cut himself, but that Jesus at one point calls him to a renewed life 
actually denies him jumping in the boat with him and the disciples and sends him back into the town. And, and scripture tells us that that area was transformed, even though they shooed Jesus out at that moment, that area was transformed presumably by this guy that came back with his story. So the feeding of the 5,000 out of a simple lunch pail that a, a boy had in the field, and, and, uh, and then not too long after that, the disciples squabbling over what the meaning of true food and sustenance really is. See, these are amazing feats that Jesus did uh, and, and people witnessed to, and even for us can be inspiring to hear. But what is attached to each of those is a story of a person. It's a story of a relationship. Uh, it's an interaction that Jesus has with people at that moment, in that time, and in that manner. It's looked and said, Jesus is intentional and says, this is my time with you. Intentionally performing these miracles and teaching these lessons, Jesus says, I choose you. I choose this moment, which come to find out for us, knowing the uh, Old Testament and New Testament, that actually for us with his spirit, it comes every day that Jesus chooses us and wants us and desires for us to have a relationship with him. But in these interactions and in the interactions in our lives, Jesus' miracles are callings he puts in our lives in the in, in lives of others. Jesus' miracles and the way he works, the way he's worked in your life, and the way he's worked in 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 in, in biblical times of the of the of his ministry on earth, their earth, their callings that he puts on our lives and others. Throughout this series, we've talked about uh, our personal relationship with Jesus and how we're filling ourselves up with, uh, with him and his presence. The first week we talked about Jesus being the source, being the source of everything that we desire. Uh, week two, we talked about the right work or the faithfulness we have in that source filling us up. Week three, we looked at the practice of meditation and focusing on God and that being something that fills us up. Week four, we talked about sleepy ba sleeping bags and smelly farts smelling like flowers. Uh, you can talk to Amber about that. You can go back and listen to that message. But somehow that led to restoration in Christ, being restored to him. And last week, we talked about the idea of being a river rather than a lake, a lake that just gathered things up and sat stagnant, but that we would be a flowing river of God's presence overflowing into uh, every area and aspect of our lives. And so for us today, the key for us today is in the interactions that is produced in our time with meeting and uh, interacting with Jesus. That what is displayed and how our response and our interactions with Jesus, that in the moment he meets with each one of us. Where he chooses us and where we recognize that and ultimately choose him back. It's in those moments that we have access to this, this greatest sense of overflow. This greatest, greatest sense of what he desires for us in our lives. I think back of that instance in John 2 with the water turning into wine and his mom knowing he could do it. Like his mom knew that he could perform that miracle. And that's why I think, because he had performed miracles in her presence before. But she calls on Jesus and says, just do what he says. He's going to do it. 
And, I, and it caused me to question what, what I think. How, how do I approach Jesus? Do I approach Jesus in that way where I'm like, he's going to do it. Like, he's going to get it done. Or do I question, like, or do I just demand, like, immediate maybe like his mom did. Like, just do it. You know, I need you to do it. I want you to do it. It has to be done. But in the immediate, I think his mom was the only one worthy of speaking to him that way. But Jesus ultimately turns water to wine, and the party itself is uh, recognized, and the person in charge of the party is, is, is honored and, and thinks that it's just amazing that he would do that. They would bring the best wine out last. And in that interaction in John 2, you can read it, it says this. What Jesus did here in, in Cana of Galilee was the first of signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. And I, and I focused on that scripture because Jesus revealing his glory through this miracle caused his disciples to, in a sense, invest their faith further in him. Jesus had already called them out of the life that they were living. They had started following them, but in this moment, it says, his disciples believed in him. Some of the other translations translate it as they gave their faith to Jesus. They invested their faith more. Two things here. We must see Jesus for who he is. We must see Jesus for who he is. His mother and her request uh, and, and this idea of the disciples, uh, because of what happened, they saw Jesus for who he was and they were willing to invest themselves even more in what he was doing. When you are filled, give Jesus more. We've been talking about this idea of being filled. Hopefully it's caused you to, uh, to think about the ideas of how in your life you're filled by him, by his presence. But when we are filled with Jesus, we need to then give him more of ourselves. Right? We don't take what Jesus gives us and run off with it and, and like kind of like that lake analogy, hoard it up and really enjoy it for ourselves, right? When, when Jesus gives us more, when Jesus fills, it, fills us up, we need to continue to give him more of our lives out of that, that, that uh, calling, out of that, uh, that experience we have with what he, what he did miraculously with what we've given him. Right? The disciples in that moment could have been like, oh, that's a cool party trick. Let's just throw a bunch of parties and have Jesus because we wouldn't run out of wine, right? No, like they invested their faith in him even more and went on to do amazing things. And then the Samaritan woman at the well, coming there in the middle of the day, uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but the Samaritan woman uh, visited the well at high noon, which is the, the hottest time of the day, which is not the time that they would gather water. At that time, during that time, they would gather water in the morning for the day, and in the evening, when it was, when it was uh, not as hot, for the evening and then on into the morning again. They wouldn't visit the well. And so the woman at the well uh, comes to the well in the middle of the day, so she isn't interacting with people because she knows because of her lifestyle, she would be a part of the water cooler talk. They would be talking about her and her lifestyle and things like that, and she wanted to avoid that. And then we look at John 4 in that story where it says, then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, 
Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. So she went from a, a, a lifestyle of avoiding the ridicule and avoiding the, uh, the, the judgment that the people of that time would have on her to directly walking, leaving the purpose of which she had come to the waterhole for and going directly to engage with people in the town. Right? We need to allow Jesus to use us. We need to allow Jesus to use We need to stop avoiding life. There is no disqualification for you in the work that Jesus has for you. There is nothing that you can do that will disqualify you when you make the choice to follow Jesus and, and, and allow him to work in your life. And as that woman maybe avoided or, uh, um, you know, tried her best to not, uh, not engage, uh, she uh, allowed Jesus to use her. And when filled, we need to trust God more. Jesus and her had that interaction, and from that interaction, she went on into the town. And in verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told them, He told me everything I ever did. So when the, Samaritan, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And they stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers. That, their inter that Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman who was avoiding the relationships with the people in town, that many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. And then you have the healing at the pool. This is the story where uh, the, the man who is sitting by the poolside in the colonnades, uh, and he has an excuse he sits there, and the thought is that when that water turns, um, I think this is John 5, when that water turns, uh, if, if you can be the first into the water, you're going to be healed. And Jesus shows up and, I think, kind of chuckles at what they're doing there, thinking, oh, really? You guys think that that pool is what is healing you or has healing powers and whatever? And so Jesus talks to this man, and this man has, is full of excuses. Well, I can't walk, and I can't get into the pool, and I can't do this, and I can't do that. And Jesus just simply looks at him and says, do you want to be healed? Do you desire to be healed? And of course, the man is, yes, but I can't, I can't, I can't. And, 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 and it's fun because he has these uh, excuses, and, and then Jesus goes on to heal him, uh, and then it, later on, he runs into the religious leaders of the time, and they ask them, are you carrying your mat on the Sabbath? Like, that's work, and you shouldn't be doing that. And the guy's like, well, I don't know, some guy healed me. And so, you know, and, and he was full of excuses in that moment. And I love that Jesus double backs around with the guy. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's been often times in my life where Jesus has worked in a way, and then I've kind of like taken it from there. And then Jesus double backs around him and like, hey, do you remember I was a part of that? Like, I actually, like, kind of helped you out there. Like, you know, and I'm like, oh, man. All right, all right. But Jesus double backs, and he says, hey, later Jesus, in, in verse 14, later Jesus found him at the temple and said, because he had told the religious leaders at the time, it was some guy, I don't know who it was. Uh, see, uh, Jesus says to him at the temple, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. 
And the man went away and told the religious leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. And, and I think we can get mixed up with that. Something worse may happen to you. Uh, my thought, and, and a lot of people smarter than me kind of think that it is that idea of uh, us taking our own credit. Like when we go out on our own, man, we tend to mess things up. I mean, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'll raise my hand and say that's true in my life. When I go out on my own, like that's when I kind of miss the mark. But he went away and then he told the religious leaders, give Jesus credit for your life. We all, we all without exception have had Jesus do a miraculous work in our life. If you look back at your life, no matter where you were at, young, in middle school, in high school, uh, older and have kids of your own, older than that and have an empty nest or have never had kids or, I mean, creation in itself, the place where we live, if we just took the time to look around, we would see and understand the miraculous work that God has done. But do we give Jesus the credit? Do we give Jesus the credit? Is it convenient for us to give Jesus the credit? Oftentimes when Jesus double backs around for me, it just wasn't convenient for me to share that Jesus did it. It's going to be an awkward conversation or it's going to be a lot of work or it's going to actually produce something that would uh, maybe be, a, in my thought, a loss in a relationship. But what Jesus calls us to do over and over is to to, to uh, establish our lives for his credit and what he's done in our lives. And then the healing of the blind man. And the healing of the blind man where Jesus uh, spit in the mud and he rubbed it in his eyes and that, and, and, and that guy washes his eyes and he can see again. And that's in, in John 9. Um, now in those days, Jesus had made mud and he had opened the man's eyes. It was, it was on the Sabbath Therefore, the Pharisees at that time also asked him uh, how he had received his sight. And it said this in, in verse 15 of chapter 9. He put mud on my eyes, uh, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. And it said, some of the Pharisees and the man, uh, is not, is, that man's not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others were asking, uh, how does a sinner perform these signs in, in wonders? And it said that they were divided. And they, and they turned again to the blind man and asked him again, what have you to say about that man? And he says, well, it was uh, the, the man that opened your eyes. Uh, and he said, all I know is that I was blind and now I see. And, and, and wanting to know and understand, they actually go and get this man's, man's parents. And they bring him in and they're like, hey, you explain what's going on here. Like, your son, who is now a man, uh, was blind, and now he can see. Is this your son, they ask him? Is this the one who says he was born blind? How is it that he can see now? We know, uh, and then they say, we know he's our son, as, as the, they answered as his parents. And we know he was born blind, we know that. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he is of age and will speak for himself. And, and at this moment, you got to understand the rec and recognize the severity of, of saying Jesus is who he says he is. 
Because at this moment, they would, the parents knew that they would be, at the very least, put out of the synagogue, that they wouldn't be allowed in the crowds of people that they were with. They would even at some points be cast out completely, even to death. And then a parent said, because of this, they didn't want that to be the case. Uh, and, and, and then another time, they asked him, who was this guy? And he says, whether he was a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind, and now I see. And they asked, what, what, what did he do to you? Uh, how did he open your eyes? I've told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you, not want to, why do you want to hear it again? Do you not want... To become, do you want to become his disciples in two? And so he recognizes who Jesus was, and, and, and in that moment, he holds tight to continuing to give God the credit in his life. And I think about it for me, oftentimes, uh, I, uh, in, uh, I acknowledge what Jesus has done, and in time, it lessens the severity sometimes of what Jesus has done in my life, and it's easy for me to write it off as something else. And, and, and then this story, it encouraged me to just understand, to continue to give Jesus the credit in our lives. We can often forget uh, about it or fall out of practice for what he has done. And this leads me to the opportunity that, uh, that I just want to briefly share with you this morning, because uh, I feel now is the correct time for, uh, for me to share this, uh, and, 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 and knowing that uh, God has led us into this moment, and we credit him with everything. The Manning family is moving. Oh, you're happy I'm leaving? No, I'm just kidding. Some of it is leaked. We're not, I wanted to leave that awkward pause in there to be like, <gasps> but obviously you guys were like ushering me out. So that's cool. That's cool. Uh, no, we are moving actually closer to physical vicinity of the barn. But uh, I tell you this because, uh, because it really truly has been a, a, a crazy like 10 days. Like, ah! Um, but uh, I share this because God has clearly led us in a situation to be, uh, to be where we're at and experiencing what we are experiencing. Um, about six mon months ago, when we were not in a position at all to buy or sell a house, we weren't desiring that, we weren't looking for that. Uh, same thing with about 10 days ago. We weren't desiring or looking for that, um, but we really weren't. Um, but um, we made a run at a house about six months ago and lost out to a family in California uh, who came in. Uh, and, and then uh, we, we got a phone call uh, just the other night that, er, yeah, it actually was like just the other night. Uh, it was, you know, eight, nine, 10 days ago. Um, that we uh, that this family had to move back to California and I don't know why six months ago God didn't orchestrate this we were a little sad uh, every Sunday since then I've drove I've driven by the house and was a little sad uh, but we got this phone call that this this family was moving back to California and Heather and I in that moment prayed and we really felt God was leading us in this absolutely crazy way uh, to move uh, and, 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 and he did it in such a way that we can't take any of the credit. Like we have, no, I mean, like literally, it just has, God has flung doors open and paved and, and, and just kind of directed us 
in this way. And so in six months' time, God closed what we thought was a door and then reopened it in even a better situation in a scenario. Um, and us knowing that we could lose out in a bidding war on this market, uh, got an off-the-market uh, offer from these people and then sold our house off the market as well. Uh, and so we have a new family that's going to be moving into, we're the only people who have lived in our house now, 19 years, and somebody else is going to live in that house, which is just crazy to think of anyways. But, uh, you know, hopefully, I think God's even working in that to bring them, and hopefully they'll attend here and, uh, and, and that kind of stuff. But anyways, um, so, uh, and I share that incredible story with you because he has made it so obvious uh, and is orchestrating this uh, whole scenario uh, through our time here. I mean, even before, uh, you know, we've been out here for 18 years. The church has been here for 10 um, and, and God continues to just confirm his calling on our lives and in, in this community specifically through financial peace and Dan and Susie who are watching online um, and uh, through uh, even through the idea of, of finding the buyer that is going to find that is going to move into our house mourning our neighbors uh, Conrad might be watching online one of my biggest two-year-old fans in all of Sudden Valley um, but uh, we're going to mourn the loss of some amazing neighbors uh, to randomly just the other day meeting a new neighbor that we you know that that uh, is our physical neighbor will be here at the end of the month um, but to the visions the visions and I've shared them with price the visions where man we could get uh, you know a good handful of you in our house for worship nights in, in midweek gatherings where we just gather around and worship Jesus and, and, and that house being a center point for Jesus's ministry to happen. Not that our house isn't now, but this one physically in its, in its in construction and even more perfectly being an incredible fit for our ministry and fostering kids here in the valley. Six months ago when we made a run at this house, I wrote this really fancy letter to this family and said that, you know, we were going to hopefully change foster kids' lives, and we've had the opportunity to do that, and that's even more perfectly going to be set up. But I, but I, but the, the opportunity, what God has kind of led me into is this idea of getting out of the way. Just getting out of the way and allowing God to work, giving Him the credit, continually turning that over to Him. And for us, it's the, for me, it's the immediate example of what God is doing and where I need to trust Him, and probably one of the most anxiety-ridden times in my life for years. But I've had many of you say to me, just trust God. And I'm like, you think I'd know that? You think I would know that, right? And I'm like, ah. like, I mean, like, seriously, like daily, right? Because here's the deal. We want to give our lives for his kingdom work. And so now that I've shared that, I would invite you to obviously pray into that for us, uh, that we would continue and we wouldn't take credit and we wouldn't uh, gather it up for ourselves, but that we would lay that uh, blessing that God has given us out for his work and his glory and his kingdom um, to work. Because if we revisit that story of the Samaritan woman um, who had visited the... Um, Visited, uh, visited Jesus at the watering hole. Jesus said these words before that. As, as him and his disciples were making their trek through the town, it said there in Scripture, and I've, I've said this before, but it said Jesus had to pass through Samaria. 
And I don't know if you know Jesus the way I know Jesus, but Jesus doesn't have to do anything. He's done the work, so there's no had-tos when it comes to Jesus. Jesus doesn't have to do anything. So when Scripture says something like that, Jesus had to do something. There's great meaning and purpose behind that. And for the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus had to pass through Samaria. And the only thing we see in that had to is an interaction with a woman who then heads out into a town and many people come to know the Lord because of her testimony. And church, I know it's not correct, maybe even correct theology to say this, but uh, in life, because, I mean, I mean, it's correct theology, but it's not correct English, right? In life, we have a bunch of had-tos. Jesus works in our lives with a bunch of have-tos, had-tos, has to, I don't know. But that's what Jesus does with you in your life. He sets up opportunities for things that he, he has to do with you. He desires to do with you. Activities and leadings and uh, opening doors and in, in, uh, uh, in delivering from or blessing with. He has to do some of these things. And then in, in the origin and the meaning of those have, had tos, they could be for you. They could be to increase your faith and your understanding of who he is. Your gain, maybe. Or you maybe feel like you're the only one that would benefit from some of these things that Jesus has done in your life. But those had tos could be, and if you think about it, if you imagine this, they could be for someone else. They could be with... For And I believe they're for far greater purpose than you personally. Some of it could be. They're given to you for some reason and some purpose or idea with, 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 with great intentionality. But without a doubt, every single one of them, every single one of the had-tos, despite who they were for, every single one of them are from Jesus and for his glory. All the aspects and areas of your life, the way that he's working, the things that he's doing are from him with goodness for his glory. Like that first miracle says, he displayed his glory for the first time. So to church, today I ask you, have you spent this week, this month, this time period, wherever you're at in your life, being filled, this sermon series where we're talking about being filled, where we're talking about uh, overflow and filling up, recognizing what Jesus is doing, the, the had-tos, the way that he is filling you up. Have you spent the time to see that? How has what we've looked at caused you to react to Jesus? Are we, in, uh, are, 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 are we in to giving more trust and faith back to him? Overflowing it out. And in, in turn of that, giving him more and more and more and, 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 and laying it before and flowing like a river out to him. I ask, and this is, I was convicted of this. 
Ask, are you give, who are you giving the credit to in your life? Sure. I mean, some of it we can be like, oh, yeah, God's working. Creator God. Author of all things. But who are you really giving the credit to? Who, church, are you acknowledging as the one who is orchestrating the outcomes and the purposes and the essence of every aspect of your life? How do you view the outcomes of your life right now? The things that you're experiencing, the, the blessings, and, the, and, and, and even the, the hard things that you're walking through. How are you viewing those outcomes in your life right now? Where are you on a scale of God working in him orchestrating and in him authoring? Where are you on that scale of, of recognizing that it's him? See, this is the vision I was given this week as I wanted to share with you is that everything that we've been doing over this last week of packing and getting stuff together and throwing things out and all the stuff we've made, uh, we've had to do, we've got lists from lenders and, and realtors and you've got to like literally walk down that list and check things off as you're doing it. All the stuff and all these lists that we've created over these last 10 days, it made me realize like that Samaritan woman where Jesus had to pass through Samaria, that was on Jesus' list of things to do that day. And he knew that he had to go through there and he was going to check it off that he met with that woman at the well. And we know what happened in that story with her testimony. And what it made me realize this week, and it's kind of cliche-ish or whatever, but you were on Jesus' list. Today, tomorrow, the next day, and the next day, you are on Jesus' list to meet with and to work with and to interact with and to lead you through something and to bless you in something, to uh, direct you in a way, to, to deliver you from whatever it may be. And there's, I mean, multiple times we know that you are on Jesus' list today. And so I want to encourage you with that and that idea of what are you going to do with that? How are you going to recognize him? How are you going to acknowledge him? How are you going to give him the credit? How are you going to interact with him? Because it's his desire, his had to, to meet with you today. Right now, over lunch, when you're putting your kids to bed, when you call it a day, Jesus' desire it's not to like check you off the list as something to do, but to, to intentionally meet with you and direct you. Let's pray. I invite the band to come up. Lord, we thank you that it is in the way that you work that you desire to work with us. Lord, that those of us that place our faith and hope and trust in you, that, Lord, it is your desire to be in uh, direct relationship with. Lord, this morning we come here with lists of things we need to accomplish before getting back to work or uh, honey-do lists uh, to do around the house or 
things that we're we've got to that we've got to do next week appointments and 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 meetings and you know all the stuff that we 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 know we're that are looming that we're looking towards lord but lord right now i pray for my brothers and sisters i pray for my friends that in all of that good or bad Lord, we would recognize your intentionality with each one of us. Lord, that we would recognize your desire to meet with, convene with, come alongside and support, Lord, us through it all. Lord, that you wouldn't keep us where we're at, but that you would call us up from into a better place in relationship with you, Lord. Lord, and I pray that as we recognize that, that, that would only cause us to trust and put our faith in you more. Knowing that is your desire to do what is best for your creation, your people, Lord. And Lord, so we trust that this morning. Lord, as we close with these last two songs, may we focus, may we lift praises, and may we worship in such a way that we experience you in a new way this morning. Lord, that you speak to us individually right where we're at. I pray this in your name. Amen. I want to encourage you